Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Mark. Hey, good morning, friends and faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast this morning. And I am Jen, the host of the P40 Ministries podcast. So you guys, I um, actually went back to listen to one of my old podcast episodes for this particular episode. I went back and listened to um, Matthew chapter 16, I believe 20 through 40, was it? I don't remember. But um, oh my gosh, my old podcast episodes are so interesting. They're just, (laughs) they're very, um, I don't know. I used to talk weird back then when I was still not comfortable in front of the microphone, I think. Um, I don't know. I felt comfortable back then, but I feel much more comfortable now talking to you guys. But anyway, that's not the point. So I went back and listened to the old one because I think it was going to help me talk more about what we're talking about today because it's basically the same story. And I wanted to see what I had to say back then. And thankfully, I still have the same thought process about it as I did back then as well, because I was looking up um, research materials for what we're going to be reading about today on this uh, portion of scripture. And um, almost everything that I read about, I just didn't, uh, I didn't see it that way as what other people and other scholars think about this portion. Um, I didn't see it that way. So I went back to my old episode because I couldn't remember what I talked about. And yeah, I basically think the same way back then as I do now. <laughs> I thought the same way back then. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about this. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 38. And uh, this is quite a long portion of scripture to read, but um, I think it's going to be interesting and we're going to have a lot to talk about today. So let's go ahead and read this. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible, but please feel free to read out of whatever version you prefer to read out of. He came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took hold of the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. And when he had spat on his eyes, he laid his hands on him and he asked if he saw anything. He looked up and he said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes. He looked intently and was restored and saw everyone clearly. He sent him away to his house saying, don't enter into the village nor tell anyone in the village. Jesus went out with his disciples into the villages of Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? They told him, John the baptizer, and others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. He commanded them that they should tell no one about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke to them openly. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But he, turning around and seeing his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. He called the multitude to himself with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself to take up his cross and to follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake and the sake of the good news will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but forfeit his life. For what will a man give in exchange for his life? 
For whoever will be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man also will be ashamed of him when he comes into his Father's glory with the holy angels. So Jesus was having a lot more confrontations with the uh, chief uh, priests and the scribes. And so he goes into this area called Bethsaida. And there was this blind man that was brought to him. And there was a bunch of people around this blind man that really wanted Jesus to heal this guy. So it sounds to me like there was um, that this man had once been Uh, He had once been able to see and was brought to Jesus because he was blind. And uh, to me, this kind of makes sense because of what this this blind man actually says to Jesus. So Jesus takes him away from the village and away from the crowds of people. And it's only for his disciples' eyes only and for this man that's healed, obviously. So he takes this man aside and his disciples are with him and uh, the blind man's there. And so Jesus spits directly on this guy's eyes, okay? And... (laughs) I've told you about how I feel about spit before. I am so disgusted by it. But I was actually reading something kind of interesting about this, that certain forms of blindness actually cause the eyes to like crust together. And so Jesus could have been like lubricating the eyes, like getting them like to open because they had been like, like uh, damaged and crusted shut almost. So it's possible that Jesus was healing this man like in a very logical way that he just needed this guy's eyes to open because they were like gooped shut. So I have an actual issue with my eyes. I have chronic conjunctivitis. I get pink eye all the time. (laughs) I get it. If I look at somebody with pink eye, I get pink eye. Like I I am just very susceptible to pink eye for some reason. And uh, when I get, I always know when I get pink eye because when I wake up in the morning, I can't open my eyes because they are literally crusted shut. And so I have to like take a warm washcloth and go to the sink, like feel my way over to the sink and um, warm the washcloth up and like drape it over my eyes for like 20 minutes before my eyes actually open. And I've had this problem since I've been a little kid. Luckily, I think it's kind of going away. I know it's allergy related. Um, I used to get like allergens in my eyes and that would cause all sorts of different different issues. So I know the importance of like warm water to go onto the eyes if they're crusted shut. So Jesus could have very likely been doing that for this blind guy, was just helping him open his eyes. So after this happens, he asks the guy if he can see. And the guy is like, I see these men, but they look like they're like trees. So this is kind of what makes me think that this man had been injured had once been able to see, but is now injured because he knows what trees look like. So then uh, Jesus doesn't put any spit on the guy's eyes anymore, but he just touches the man's eyes. And once he opens them, it says that he was looking around intently and he saw everyone clearly. So he was probably seeing the disciples, probably looking directly at the 12 disciples and saying like, first they look like trees, now they look like men. So he can see very clearly now and he's looking around, he sees Jesus, he sees the disciples. And so Jesus tells him, he's like, don't tell anybody about this miracle. Now this is one guy so far that it does not express went around telling everybody about uh, Jesus. So this guy, it's possible actually listened to what Jesus said and didn't go into the villages and proclaim that Jesus had healed him and thus hinder Jesus's ministry a little bit more. It's possible this guy just went home because Mark doesn't say anything about this guy uh, deliberately going out and sinning like the way that the deaf and mute man had 
when Jesus performed a very similar miracle for that guy. So after that, it says that um, Jesus went away and he went with his disciples and he went into the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And so um, he was asking his disciples on the way. They're taking a walk over there. And he says, who do people say that I am? And he just wanted to see where his disciples' hearts were with this question. So they say to him, some people say you're John the baptizer coming back from the dead. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're a prophet. So then Jesus is like, okay, but do who do you say that I am? And so Peter's like, you are the Christ. So Peter directly admits to Jesus, I believe for the first time, that he believes that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ or the son of David. And so at this point, Jesus says to his disciples, don't tell anybody that I am the Messiah. And isn't that interesting? Jesus was specifically asking his disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Messiah yet. It wasn't it wasn't time for that yet. Why? Because the Messiah back in Jesus's day and age was somebody who they believed was like Superman or Iron Man or whoever. I don't know. They believed that the Messiah was going to be this like political figure who was able to like harness the power of God and destroy all their enemies and become the king of Israel and bring God's kingdom into Jerusalem. Like that's that's kind of what they believed. They they had really interesting expectations for who the Messiah was. So if the people at Jesus's time period would have believed that he was the Messiah, they would have forced him into becoming a king because they almost do that. They almost literally force Jesus into becoming their king by like force. So it was not at all time for any of that. We see that when Jesus rides into the city on on the don- back of the donkey, on donkey back, <laughs> um, that the people were starting to get aggressive and were beginning to almost force Jesus to become their king. So if this had gone, gotten out before that time period, who knows what would have happened. And that would have very much hindered uh, Jesus's ministry. And possibly the, um, the Pharisees wouldn't have gone through with persecuting Jesus. And uh, the people wouldn't have killed Jesus at that point. So that needed to happen. And so Jesus goes, segues that into everything he's talking about here with his disciples. He says, I need to be killed, basically. That's what he's saying. He says, I am going to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, I will rise again. So he's telling his disciples the whole story before it even happens. And it says in verse 32 that he spoke to them openly about everything. So this is going way beyond what anybody ever thought of the Messiah. I am sure that the disciples at this point did not believe this would happen. I mean, they didn't think that the Messiah could be a weak man who would get killed and persecuted and in their understanding destroyed. They didn't believe that. They thought the complete opposite, that he was going to have God's power, basically. That's what they believed. So when they hear all this, Peter gets kind of upset. So he takes Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him. Now, this is what I was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, where I don't really believe some of the stuff that some of the scholars believe about this. 
because, okay, so the story is Peter takes Jesus aside. He begins rebuking Jesus. So he he starts yelling at Jesus kind of and is like, this isn't going to happen. Why are you saying all this? Don't do that. You know, this and that, whatever. And Jesus turns around, sees his disciples standing there and yells at Peter. And he's like, get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. So many scholars that read this believe that Peter was working for Satan. I personally, I I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that concept. We found out in Matthew that right before this, Jesus had actually complimented Peter so much by saying that um, Peter was going to be the rock that the church was built on. He had complimented Peter. Mark left all that out. Matthew did not. But right before all this, he was saying to Peter that he was going to be the person that was going to build the, the church and he called him the rock you know and he was complimenting Peter he said that Peter was a messenger of God so that's why I don't believe these scholars that are like oh he went from being a messenger of God to becoming a messenger of Satan and that Satan used Peter to do all this stuff no I just believe that Peter was completely selfish in his belief systems and possibly he thought that he was speaking for God almost but he was actually just speaking selfishly so when he takes Jesus aside he was arrogant maybe because of those compliments that Jesus had been giving Peter and Peter thought that he had the right to take Jesus aside and to correct Jesus so the Greek word for adversary is actually Satan so when Jesus calls Peter Satan I believe he was calling him adversary. You adversary, why are you doing this? Why would you, you know, tempt me in this way? Why would you think about the things of men, not of God? So he was correcting Peter's arrogance and his selfishness and his pride and thinking that Peter could take Jesus aside and correct Jesus like that. And it says that Jesus directly saw his disciples too. So the disciples were probably looking at Peter and Jesus and were probably like, oh, you know, Peter is, is going to correct Jesus. He's going to make this all right. You know, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. It says that when Jesus saw the disciples, he rebuked Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. So he was rebuking Peter publicly. That was the one thing I left out actually in the old podcast episode in Matthew where I'd done this exact same story. Um, I said that I wasn't sure if Jesus rebuked Peter publicly. I truly believe now that he did because it says here that Jesus saw the disciples and then rebuked Peter. And that was probably publicly. So he was doing this not only to correct Peter's pride in, you know, thinking that he knew more than Jesus did, knew more than God, but also to show his disciples that Peter was wrong, that their thinking was wrong, and that they needed to basically listen to Jesus you know Jesus had been pouring his heart out to his disciples so this was probably very disheartening for him to see his disciples response to all this when Jesus was talking about this so openly to his disciples this like heart-wrenching thing that Jesus would have to go through and so it probably very much disheartened him to to see his disciples respond in this way but after this it says that he calls the multitude to himself so this was sometime later because I do not believe he was talking Uh, to the multitudes about this stuff. This was very clearly just with his disciples about all the stuff um, regarding the Messiah. So it says that this is probably once he gets to this Caesarea Philippi, Philippi, 
It says that he calls the multitude to himself with his disciples. And he said to them, whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, this was before Jesus even went to the cross. He probably had already told his disciples about the cross. And now he's saying to his disciples and to the entire crowd that they had to take up their crosses and follow Jesus. And as we know, Jesus got hung on a cross. And Jesus said this before he even got hung on that cross. Crosses, I mean, if you listen to any of my episodes with the torture that Jesus had gone through on the cross, I mean, it was crazy, the stuff that Jesus went through on that cross. And that was some of the most, uh, I don't even know what the word is, like convicting podcast episodes I ever done personally for myself, just reading about that extreme torture that Jesus went through. And everything that he, that had happened up on the cross was just absolutely convicting to me personally. But um, if you listen to any of those episodes, you will hear how much Jesus went through. And people knew about, about this kind of torture back then, crucifixion. I mean, it was a scary thing to them. So when they hear Jesus saying to take up their cross and follow him, they're probably like, oh boy, what are we getting ourselves into here, you know? And nowadays, you know, we see this this verse everywhere and we don't even think about it. But, you know, think about this. Jesus is saying that we have to suffer in the same way that he suffered in. And uh, that's a scary concept to us Westerners that live in America and live in Europe. <laughs> we don't want to suffer that way. Who does? No one wants to suffer that way. But no matter what, it does say in the Bible that if we want to follow Jesus, we will have to endure some sort of suffering. And it may not be in the same way that Jesus suffered, but it's going to be some sort of suffering because we become more like Christ the more we suffer. And to me, that concept makes a ton of sense. The times when I went through suffering in my life were the times when I had the most growth in my personal faith. And honestly, the most joy, as odd as that sounds, I went through those times of suffering so that I could become the person I am today. I I feel that I am a a much more joyful person than I ever have been before. And I believe that is due to my own personal suffering that I have gone through. And I believe that suffering does, in fact, bring us closer to God. That might be a very hard thing for some people to grasp who have lost family members, who have cancer, or who have been through some sort of terrible suffering before but it is true that if we believe in Jesus we do have to suffer a little bit God knows all things and he is very much able to save us from those things if he so chooses and to bring us out of that which is why I started this ministry p40 ministries psalm 40 ministries psalm 40 verses 1 and 2 he lifted me up out of the mud and the mire and set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about God rescuing his people. Even though he allows some suffering to happen, God is literally infinite in knowledge and he knows ways to rescue us. He knows how to use every single bad thing that happens for someone's good. He understands that. And like I said, hard subject to talk about because I do know a lot of people who have gone through so, so much suffering and there's no easy answer to any of those things that we have to go through. But all I can say is just keep trusting in God, keep trusting in Jesus, and uh, he is able and willing to rescue us and we become more like Jesus through those kinds of sufferings.
But guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. Uh, like I said, I think there was a lot of good stuff we talked about. And um, I'm trying to keep my episodes under 30 minutes, if you haven't noticed. Sometimes when I have guests on, I do tend to go over a little bit. But for anybody that's new on the podcast, I uh, typically do an episode out of the Old Testament on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then a New Testament episode on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So tomorrow, I'm going to be having a really special guest on the podcast. And his name is Bill McMinn. And he is a pastor in, at a church near me called Eagleville but he's going to be coming on to talk about um, the ceremony that uh, Aaron goes through in the Old Testament and what some of that symbolized and we're going to have a great discussion tomorrow so definitely join in share it with everybody Friends, if you know a pastor that you think would be a great fit for the P40 Ministries podcast, please uh, give them my contact information and you might be able to hear your pastor on the P40 Ministries podcast. But on one last closing note, I want to thank Melissa for her awesome audible review of the p40 ministries podcast i almost never look at the podcast on audible or really anywhere else but i happen to see it and i'm very very thankful for that review that she left and but melissa it's people like you that are keeping the podcast going so thank you so much for your awesome review i really appreciated that but you know if you liked the podcast friends this is touching you in some way and uh, it's it's speaking to you ministering to you then help it to grow by sharing it on your social media platforms by rating it by reviewing it and that will help the p40 ministries podcast to grow friends and faith listeners happy listening and god bless